This is We Turned Out, Out fine. fine. We Turned Out Fine. We Turned Out Fine. We made it through and I've got you. We Turned Out Fine. I'm Naomi. I'm Lydia. And we're going to talk to you today about something that is near and dear to me, and that's cycling. Mm-hmm. This is going to be Naomi's turn to share something that's really important part of her life. So, I'll, yeah, so she'll be doing most of the talking, and I'll just be asking a few questions here and there. Awesome. Well, thank you. All right, so um, I wanted to share just a little bit of my story and what I've learned. So I'm a commuter cyclist. Um, cycling has been my primary mode of transportation for a little over a decade now. And basically this started when I was um, about 21 years old. I was living in Chicago. I moved there to finish my education. And the, the first year was really, really rough. Um, I'm obviously, you guys know that we're based in Texas. We grew up in Texas. And to move to a, a city like Chicago actually was a really big change for me. Um, and the first year there was pretty hard um, in, in a lot of different ways. And I basically, um, at the start of my second year there, was in a position where I had withdrawn from school and gotten a job at um, in the neighborhood and was also working like some other part-time jobs, had, you know, was living with friends, then found an apartment, and basically had to kind of figure out how to be an adult and how to do this all on my own. Uh, moving back to um, Houston was not really an option at that time. And so this was what, what I had to do. And so it was suggested to me that maybe a good idea would be to get a bike. Use that just to get from like point A to point B. And I'd seen, you know, there's cycling was fairly common in Chicago. I'd seen like a winter cyclist, like in full like mask and everything. And I was like, that guy's crazy. I don't know how they do this. But when it came down to the the points of practicality, that's really what got me there. There was very little altruism in the early days. This was simply about my being able to just get places. So uh, there was a Saturday, a friend of mine and I, we just sort of drove around and went to um, some thrift shops and some resale shops. And finally, we went to this... Um, Oh, this crappy little retail shop, resale shop on Lawrence Avenue. And I found this beat up women's mountain bike. It was purple and um, it, it was like working. So I think I paid like 25 bucks for this mountain bike. We got Four. it. Yeah, we got it. It like barely shifted any gears. <laughs> The derailers were pretty much shot, um, but I was able, honestly, I made that thing work. That bike lasted me a little over two years, and I rode everywhere on it. It was really imperative to me just, you know, just being able to get places. I was able to get a job, get to work, 
I didn't have to rely on buses and trains. Um, I was super scared in the early days to ride on the streets. I would, uh, the first couple of weeks, I rode on the sidewalk and then eventually kind of had to work my way into the street because you really shouldn't ride on the sidewalks. And um, you just, and it just sort of took off from there. And, um, you know, um, it just, I just realized, oh, wow, I'm actually able to have a life and do this. And in the early days, I had this like chain lock and I didn't have a rack or panniers or baskets or anything like that. I would just carry like a backpack as my purse. And I would where if I had to go to the grocery store, I would take the backpack to the grocery store and buy as many groceries as would fit in there. I had to do some creative packing and then I would just strap it all onto my body and then ride on home. And um, when I realized, I realized this something was starting to change um, after a few months. This I started I got the bike in maybe May or June of 2008. By the end of that summer and into the fall, I realized I'd gotten on the scale and I realized I'd lost 10 pounds. And I had never in my life lost 10 pounds or any pounds at this. and, And at that point, you know, in my early 20s, I was pretty heavy. I needed to lose weight. And so the fact that something was doing that was connecting me to my body was really astonishing. And I was like, oh, hell yes. Okay. And so I, that there was a moment when I realized, like, I had, um, you know, you know how it is when you're losing weight and you're like, I used to be 190 and now I'm in, like, the low 80s. And you're like, I'm never going back. I'm never going back to the 190s ever again. And yeah, it was really just this something is working hit me. And over about the course of two to two and a half years, those first two to two and a half years, I lost about 25 pounds just from riding my bike. And that was really... when you show up and you people see you and they're like how and they they know what you looked like before and then they know what you look like now and it was just this very obvious connection it was just like y'all there's this thing you just ride the bike and it's great i can eat whatever i want it's great um i can't eat whatever i want now i'm in my 30s um it's different you have to think there's a lot more things to consider as you get older, but um, I I realized that something was working about this, not just as a way to lose weight, but something was working as a lifestyle for me. Mm-hmm. And some things were starting to change. Yeah. So at one point, would you say that you realized that cycling was not only something that had improved your life, but was something that was really, really important to to who you are and the kind of life that you want to live? When was that point for you? It was pretty soon afterwards. And um, I'd say probably within the first year to two years of cycling, 
um, it really met me where I was. I've always been this person who has wanted their own independence. And despite, I, I think, you know, despite me being the oldest of, you know, the three of us kids and kind of always having to carry this extra responsibility for that, I've always craved independence and I've always had this resentment towards being told what to do. And so for me, cycling was really, it was incredibly formational because I could take control of my own independence in a lot of ways that I was never able to before in my life. And I was also to, able to take hold of just some of that inner strength as a person and realize, oh, I can do a lot more than I think I can. Because I got naysayers pretty early on, you know, and it would just be things like, oh, you shouldn't ride your bike that far, or that place is too far, you know. And I realized, no, it's not. Actually, I can go and do a lot of things that don't require a car. Um, I don't need to rely on all these other things that there that I can actually take this into my own hands and that I am actually strong enough to do that and I this is something I really um am strong I mean I'm a strong advocate for cycling obviously but I think it's especially imperative um for young women you know this came to me when I before my 21st birthday and I got started with it. And I would really hope that um, women in college be like, now's the time. Do it then. You've got the energy. You've got that strength within you. And something about getting started young, it reorders the way you think and it orders um, some of the priorities in your life. And I see that now. I see that now in the decisions that I make. Um, And I'll get into a little bit more of those later on. But I realized within the first year to two that this was something that made me a stronger version of myself. It was something that I could do that I didn't have to depend on anyone else. But it was something I realized that there was something about me that was being made better by doing this. And That's all I would want for any, not just a woman, but every person to find something in their life that challenges them to be the best that they can be, to that brings something inside of you, outside of you, and that you can actually do something and make the world a better place. Because I think that is what cycling does. I think it really does make you happier and healthier. And I think it can have the power to make the world around us happier and healthier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, that might be a good place for me to ask then, what is your favorite thing about cycling? And or uh, what, is, what do you think is the best advantage of cycling or the biggest advantage of cycling? If that, what you just said, didn't already answer that. I love a lot about it. I love um, not sitting in traffic. 
a lot. I love um, being able to go. I love being able to engage my body. I love the fact that I get to work out some of my frustrations. I love the fact that cycling really is this integration. And I want to hit on all of this throughout this episode. That It really is this integration of mind, body, and soul. All three of these things are hit because none of them are independent of each other. And I love that, um, you know, when I get to work, I've already got, my body is already engaged. My mind has already let go of some of the things I've already gotten there. And even, and, and on good days, I'm able to let go of just that frustration. And, and I think when, when we live in a car-based culture, like we do, uh, we're just, we, we just, we're just used to taking in all that frustration that we create in a car-based culture, mm-hmm. you know, cause what do you do with all that when you're right. sitting in traffic? And so, yeah, it's Scream like when, and honk. Yeah. And when you're on your, your bike, you're just like going. Um, yeah. Not you to say that you that don't. energy to feel your, literally feel your, your journey. Yeah. And it's not that we don't encounter frustrations. Like, obviously, I do. Um, we'll get into that later. But I love that it makes me feel connected to who I am. My, my personal favorite um. Every Monday night after Bible study, I come back home and it's basically I go downhill the entire way. And that is my favorite part. I get to just kind of coast for a few minutes and then I come to a red light that goes underneath the freeway. And I just love it. Uh, As soon as the light turns green, you kind of drop your gears, you get down into it, and you just kind of get, it's, it's the closest thing to flying that I can, you can replicate on a bike. It's just going straight through, going down and coming up and feeling your body kind of being lifted as you're, as you're zooming along. And there's always this thought in my mind, like, I know this is dangerous, you know? that I'm going so fast. I mean, obviously I'm going, I'm doing this on a, you know, in a bike lane on, on a you know green light, but just being like, ha, ah, it's like a release. It's just, I made it. And you just kind of get to coast up the other side. And, you know, it's like, it's just, I mean, it's my favorite thing. You, you get to feel that. You get to feel that with your whole entire body instead of, I don't, I don't know how it feels doing that in a car. It doesn't feel the same way. I can tell you that. Um, it's the best. And also probably the worst thing is that while you can feel the goodness with your whole body, obviously, you know, if the worst, if, you know, if the opposite is true, you know, you also get to feel the other thing with your whole body. And so that's not a good thing but um there is something there's the sense of accomplishment and i recognize that on in the early days where i would come home after like riding my bike like 4 or 5 miles and i would be tired but i'd be like oh man i did it 
I did this thing, all those places that I went, I actually did that myself and got there on on my own. And that was a really satisfying feeling of accomplishment. Um, And so you just kind of get used to, you know, blending in the mentality because it really is an exercise for your brain as well. Um, You just get used to thinking about all the extra factors. And, you know, in a car, you're kind of, um, you're kind of boxed in, you know, you've kind of got your boundaries, you, you, you know, have a different set of senses and a different set of reactions that you need to have. You learn to rely on your mirrors and different spatial awareness. Yeah. There's a lot more of, because you don't have all that going on on a bicycle, when when you're in it like I am, your senses really start to change. And so there are things that I will notice so much quicker. Um, things that are happening in the corner of my eye, if I see any irregular behavior, if, or even just seeing like a pedestrian or uh, like a pedestrian if they've got like a dog on a leash. Sometimes you're you're really like, huh, okay. And it's kind of like if you think of like a sci-fi show where you might have a character who's thinking of all these variables and they're like visualizing this whole thing, you know, it's kind of like that. The big question kept on coming up is like, what are you gonna do in the winter? And at first I really didn't know. I was just kind of like, well, we'll see what happens. Um, but I did a little research, and turns out, yeah, winter biking is totally a thing. And it's totally doable as long as you kind of understand some of the mechanics. And it's really, when you think about it, it's not that much different from driving a car in the winter. Because if you think about it, you're not driving your car in the snow. You're driving your car on pavement that has been either plowed or salted. And, you know, you just take extra precautions as needed because you know that the roads are going to be maybe a little more slippery. The, the, in general, the, there's going to be less light in winter. So you just have a different set of things to take into account. And it's pretty much the same thing when you're a cyclist. Um, you have to first consider your body and just the protection that you need. And so... Uh, dressing in layers chill. huh is that wind chill in chicago it's rough man and when you're you're riding against that wind chill don't even on your bike started. you don't even you don't have any protection like you know when you're in a car and when you're walking against that wind chill it's not that i mean it's still horrible but i can't imagine compared to when you're cycling against that wind chill yeah like just how do you survive it's the worst when you have to ride against the wind um, no, I will, no, I mean, for sure, it is probably the worst thing. Um, you really have to layer up. You have to know your layers. You have to think about what temperature it is because dressing for, um, 30 degree weather and dressing for 15 degree weather are so different. It's really ridiculous ridiculous like um i the first year 
I didn't really have a lot of the knowledge I, I do now. And so, I mean, I layered up. I had this kind of thick parka that a friend from Minnesota had given me. It had kind of a nice, like, um, it had kind of a tough outer shell with like a more more soft lining. And so that did the trick. And I had a scarf. And I remember like this fleece cap that went underneath my my like cheapo Walmart helmet. And um, I just kind of wrapped my face up in this scarf and gloves and, um, you know, I just made it work. And then eventually I got down to lighter, lighter, lighter layers where, you know, it's be like have thermal, have thermal leggings or thermal long johns underneath my pants, really thick wool socks, really um, thick, sturdy gloves, but you know, on your trunk, you really don't want too much insulation. You you need enough, and it just depends on that interval of cold. But you need like a, a sort of a wicking layer, and then over that, you want your insulation, either a sweater or um, maybe even like a puffy vest. And then your outside layer is really going to be that wind or water resistant layer. So course you're in Chicago yeah you're definitely going to need to have that windbreaker uh, uh, preferably something a little longer that'll go over your butt because you're yeah. going to get some splash you know I've, I've I can't even tell you how many times people would point out like oh you've got you've got dirt on your pants be like mm. I know I ride a bike <laughs> everywhere it just happens and you know um fenders fenders help and that's a, that's such a good thing to point out because it's like how how you might be covered when you're standing you you need to think about more than that you need to think about how you're going to be covered when you're you know kind of crouched over sitting on the bicycle because that's how you're going to be riding so yeah because it like just as you said you might want it to cover your butt because I hadn't really thought about that but yeah if it's super cold and if your jacket's too short it's your jacket's too short your ass crack is gonna get frozen <laughs> Yeah, you've got to just kind of think about your layering. Obviously, you want to make sure that your bike is in good tr- condition. You want to have your chain properly lubricated, your all your the little moving bits uh properly lubricated, your your cables and everything, your brakes. You really want to make sure your brakes are in good shape. Um because yeah, it's going to get slippery and um you're you're going to just want to have all, a little extra extra sense about you and obviously lights you know um make sure the really this is like the best thing to do if you're a cyclist is just be absurdly visible literally be as obnoxiously visible as you can possibly be and that's that's really your best your best offense really uh what is that the best defense is a good offense um yeah other way around i i mean that's Making yourself just noticeable um, as possible is going to, yeah, make you, uh, because then people are going to see you. Then they don't have an excuse. Um, So I did that. I actually cycled through, I lived in Chicago just a little under eight years total. And so probably seven winters about. And, um. It was a challenge. It is something I'm grateful to have done. I felt really, I felt a lot of pride about it as a Texan, as somebody who grew up in Houston. 
was like, I'm barreling through these winners, y'all. I'm doing this. I'm doing something that most people don't want to be doing. And I, I mean, you know, obviously there's a, you know, sense of accomplishment that I have alongside that. For sure. I mean, I got walking pneumonia and a UTI just from my first Chicago winter. So. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very impressive. Chicago winters. Yeah. Yeah, well done. The last two that I was there, obviously, were terrible, multiple mm. sub-zero days. And so that was a big... Was that when the polar vortexes started yeah. coming coming in? Yeah, and that was mm-hmm. definitely like, I'm ready to... Uh, I was ready to move back to Texas once... Uh, once that started being and so eventually after college um that after college my little bike my little mountain bike who um r.i.p rogue one she uh bit the dust she cranked her last crank and uh eventually i got the road bike that i have now that was given to me by a friend she wasn't using it it was pretty much brand new at the time and, um, I mean, that's what I've been riding on pretty consistently for the past, um, several years. So I got Rogue 2, um, which is my, my Cannondale Cad 9 and, uh, road bikes are awesome. I love it because that's really my primary, um, source of transportation is just road cycling. And, um, after college, I didn't, you know, have that whole, what am I going to do? And uh, a couple of my friends were like, well, Naomi, you talk about cycling all the time. Why don't you go? Why don't you try and find a job at a bike shop or in the cycling industry somewhere? And so that actually ended up happening. And I ended up working at a um, company that did tours and rentals. And I happened to work in their downtown location. And I did that for um, a little while. And that was a hard job. I had to be there really super early, um, but it really, number one, I met some great people. Number two, it was really the place where I started to learn about advocacy, and I started to learn and maybe even gather language to talking about cycling as this thing that can be beneficial to not just me, my lifestyle, but can be beneficial everywhere to everybody. And so it was a really great, it was a, it was a really great intersection to just get some, some of that language, some of that education about um, cycling advocacy. And I came from college with a degree in biblical and theological studies, kind of expecting to go into seminary and go into a master's level something. Didn't really know what at the time. Um, And then I found this this intersection of advocacy, and I it kind of gave, gave me a place to actually think about this as as a ministry um which was curious i was not expecting that but it it certainly happened um because i realized there is there is this way that this connects and i think for me that's where the soul portion of this really integrates into is number 1 it it finally gave me a personal connection to social justice 
Um, and that's so the idea of social justice was not something I really grew up with in the evangelical church. It came in college, and unfortunately it kind of hit me in a really negative way at first i really felt like this was being forced at me but when it this cycling was the key which really made it accessible and really kind of like oh i think i get this now because you're as a cyclist you are constantly in a position of vulnerability and the, you are on the road you're expected to follow the same rules as the vehicles and the motorists around you. But you're also at the mercy, the mercy of the people who are around you. And that was a really rude kind of interruption to realize, oh, I can follow all the rules, be the best cyclist there ever was. But if I piss off the wrong driver... Or get in there, or if they don't see me, I could be in serious danger. And it really does put you right into the position of the other, of the vulnerable, as um, the marginalized, the, the marginalized, the defenseless, because you you're realizing like that that life, that human life is just there. It's like this raw, exposed nerve that is just there on the road with you. Instead of covered up in glass and metal inside a car, you're just there. And you're, ju and you're exposed to this. And it really does. You see a lot more. There are so many things that you, you just can't ignore when you're on, on your bicycle. You know, you can't just roll up your window when you see a homeless person um, and ignore them. You, you can't just kind of turn up your music when you don't want, when you see something you don't like or want to ignore. It's kind of just right there. You really do have to see the world for what it is. Um, one of the things that Chicago does every year is this thing called Bike the Drive and where they shut down Lakeshore Drive for a few hours on a Saturday morning. And they let cyclists just ride on it. You get to do this loop. And uh, it's it's really wonderful. I've, I volunteered with them one year and had a ton of fun. But you get on Lakeshore Drive and you realize, oh, wow. There are cracks everywhere. There is all this, you know, it, it's, there's all these things that you realize when you take the, away the car, what it's left with. And it's kind of just this cracky, damaged road that happens to overlook a beautiful lake and the beautiful Chicago downtown skyline. Um, but it's, you know, I would, I would hope that it it allows you to kind of take a different perspective take the perspective of somebody else and see from their point of view yeah so um the last thing i wanted to touch on at least in the soul component for me was really this idea of mortality and um very early on you, i think your first question you asked you know when did you realize this was something that was formational um around the same time 
I'd say in the first year or two-ish, I had this moment. I was riding my bike and I was coming up maybe to more towards my work. I forget. Um, but I just remember having this feeling of like, man, if I die now, I'm really proud of myself. I'm really good with everything because it, it really does force you. Obviously, the danger component is all around you. So one of the criticisms that cyclists often get from drivers is this, or at least I have heard them say things like, cyclists are so crazy. Don't, do they have a death wish? And I've heard the word death wish thrown around with cycling so many times. And the truth is, it is like, that is so polar opposite. It's like, no, we have a life wish. <laughs> we do this because we enjoy living. Because, On this planet. Yeah, because we want to live. We want to actually feel being alive. Or at least I want to feel being alive. I don't want to sit in in my car and you know how does how does that make you feel alive, um, you know just in general, not you personally, but <laughs> you know how does something about it really connects you to your mortality, and so my favorite quote, I, I actually would say this is my life verse. If I have a life verse. It is from the Lord of the Rings. I don't, I forget, maybe, maybe you know, this is probably from the Fellowship of the Rings. Um, but Gandalf says, it is a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. And just the phrase, it's a dangerous business stepping out your front door. If we would actually all take that to heart and actually understand just stepping outside, just going, getting up, facing our day, there is, there are a number of things that can happen to us. Everything has an element of danger, but we have just decided as a society to buy into the idea that cars offer safety. And I think this is personally something I think is just the biggest lie that we have commodified safety because somebody, because people have decided that cycling is the dangerous thing. But it couldn't be further from the truth. Cycling is kind, cycling is gentle. The average cyclist goes about 15 miles an hour, maybe. I probably go, you know, about 10 plus miles an hour, average. Maybe a little faster if I'm in a hurry. But if you think about that, if you think about the effect of, of that, I'm not putting out CO2 emissions. I'm going less than 15 miles an hour. There is not a more kinder, gentler, way of getting around second to walking you know and and plus it's more efficient all what you're using for your body to get out that is what's fueling you to get around to go 
how have we said that this is not safe? You know, I've I've had my fair share of close calls and near misses. I mean, I've been doored. You know, I've been told to get on the sidewalk or that I shouldn't be on the street. I've been yelled at. I've been cursed at. I've been cursed out. Uh, I mean, just for riding my bike on the street. I've had any number of people, you know, just decide to express their opinion at me on my daily commute, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But during, I definitely want to touch on because I... Everybody should know what Doring is. So Doring basically I mean, occurs. How are they supposed to if they're not cyclists? Well, they should uh, take a look at their state's uh, rules for the road and open it to the pages that deal with cycling. So, but this is, but you're right. Uh, that the, your question is really good because most drivers, if unless they are also cyclists may not it may never occur to them unfortunately that's the case um but but during basically occurs when a car is parked uh parallel to the street um and they open their door into oncoming traffic and that door happens to collide or interrupt the path of a cyclist and they end up colliding with it very technical definition um it i've 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 known cyclists who have gotten serious injuries from it i had a friend her brother had to have major surgery on his leg he broke his leg in a couple different places um i had a lady at her ch- at my church her granddaughter was doored and uh she I, I forget if she had to have surgery but i know that she was pretty seriously injured uh just last month i had a friend here in austin um he broke his clavicle after getting hit i mean it's rough i think it really a parked car it's so weird when you think that a parked car is the most dangerous thing for cyclists but if you don't think about it you are it's going to happen. And luck, I was very lucky in my case. This happened several years ago. And I saw the woman, I saw the person opening her car door. I happened to get out just enough of the way to where she just hit it into my side, uh, right up against my thigh. My phone happened to be in my pocket. And my phone actually took most of the impact. Um, I remember... You were in the Navy when this happened. I remember my phone screen was smashed, but I had, I don't know if I saw it, um, I was able to see it all on my screen, or if I just remembered Dad's number. I just remember calling Dad (laughs) and being like, hey, so I just got doored. I thought I would just let you know. Um, It was crazy. Do you know what you meant by doored? I don't know if you knew what I meant. Um, I just kind of was like, I think I should just call my parent. <laughs> I don't know. I was 22 or 23 when this happened. I was just like, I think I need to just um, call somebody, somebody who knows something. <laughs> just that, that feeling that you have of like, I don't know what to do. I ended up going to my bike shop. Was happened to be down the street. Um, I mean, I wasn't seriously hurt enough to go to the hospital. and 
Um, you know, so, you know, and, and the woman was super apologetic, you know, she, uh, uh, and obviously I would say to anybody now, if this happens, please report it. Um, I, I was okay enough to keep going. Thank goodness. And I went down the road to my bike shop and just kind of stopped in and like caught my breath for a few minutes and the guys knew me. So, um, and I just kind of told them what happened and, you know, just sort of hung out there for a few minutes and they just took a look at my bike and I just, I got some water and, um, you know, got myself together a little bit and I just ended up having kind of a huge, huge bruise right alongside my, my thigh and hip and, um, you know, and was just a little shaken up for a few days, but it's something that, I mean, it's real, like I said, um, and, you know, other less lucky cyclists have died as a result, because yeah. if you imagine, like, that door, that door opening. Depends on how fast they're going. How fast they're how going. How quickly if, the driver opens the door. And... If they flip over. Oh, yeah. If they flip over, obviously, oh being thrown from your bike like that, I mean, your your rate, just the danger increases so much. Just goes um, to show you got to be paying attention to more than just cars that may be coming when you're yeah. getting out of your car. So um, a good and the, the wonderful thing is like this is actually a really solvable thing. You know, um, instead, if drivers just instead of opening their car door with their left hand, if they would use their right hand and actually reach over you know, it would kind of force them and their body to, I need to actually face the microphone while I'm saying this, it would actually force their, um, their body to, to look out to the other way. So this is a technique called the Dutch reach. Obviously the Dutch love their cycling. Um, and so uh, something like that is just implementing a different behavioral technique is an easy, easy way to make sure that you're not going to interrupt the path of a cyclist. Um, because the fact of the matter is we have a right to the road just as much as cars do. And nobody wants to be the cause of an accident. I, I don't think that anybody would ever wish to cause harm. Um, at, least, at least I feel like, you know, most people would never wish to cause somebody else harm either purposefully or inadvertently. And so it's just this level of awareness, just taking little extra things into account on how we can treat each other better. Right. Yeah. Like if someone us. was just walking down the street, like in a neighborhood, like walking their dog, or if someone was jogging, yeah, like if you opened your car door suddenly enough that, you know, even if they're not going that fast, they definitely could get a bit hurt. And yeah, it's kind of the same thing. It's just like you, you would be. You would want to be cautious and aware of that for pedestrians, so of course you'd want to do the same for cyclists. Yeah, just something we got to be be more aware of. Yeah, so just to sort of round off our discussion, um, I had a couple of questions to sort of finish up with. So um, what would you say to those who think that cyclists shouldn't be on the roads with cars, um, to those people who get annoyed by being stuck behind cyclists, or in general, just to those drivers who get nervous when um, driving around cyclists on the on the roads, what would you have to say to them? Um, to the second two, I would say, just go around us. You know, 
a lot of this is like, go back to your basics. Go back to your driver's ed manual. Go back to the rules of the road for your state. And you really just kind of have to think of, um, you know, what do you do when you encounter a slower vehicle? You go around. What do you do when, you know, if you, if you were, you know, behind a wagon or a buggy with a orange triangle, what are you going to do? You go around, uh, same as you would with a car that is slow or maybe has their hazard lights on. Yeah. You I mean, go, sometimes go around. Sometimes here in Texas, you'll have people who are on horseback. Yeah. You know, it's a real thing. And you'll have to go around them. So, yeah. They're not going to go any ac- faster. Yeah, I mean, you come across that here in Texas. It happens. It does. Uh, but to the first, to the people who say, well, cars shouldn't, cyclists shouldn't be on the road with cars, mm-hmm. I say, get over it. Right. I say, I have a legal right to this road. Um, and that does not, and just because you're driving a car does not give you more privilege or more power than me. It actually makes... It actually gives drivers more responsibility. Right. Because you are driving the more lethal object, and therefore you need to be more responsible. Yes. I, and and I, yes, I That's part of the reason why you don't have to get a license to to operate a cycle, like to operate a bicycle yeah. or a commute. You don't need to get a license for that, but you need to get a license for a motor yeah, vehicle. Because you're driving something mm-hmm. that does more potential damage that requires more skills to ride um but you know with with like the quote from spider-man with great power comes great responsibility um what i would say to those people especially the people who get frustrated listen i get it i've encountered so much of it in the past 10 plus years that um I'm like, listen, you kind of have to deal with your frustration and deal with your feelings like a mature person. If you're seeing a cyclist on the road and that frustrates you, I would actually say, like, okay, what about your? Why is your encountering me bringing up that frustration? What is really going on? Are you really mad at me for being on a bicycle? Or are you mad that you had to slow down? Are you mad that my presence is demanding you to make a little more room for other people? Are you mad that I'm asking you to give up some of your privilege so that I could also have my safety insured? What is really behind that frustration is really what I would push on and what I really hope to push on to cycle to motorists who want to be frustrated be like well why are you frustrated this road is not just yours this road belongs to everybody this road is not just here for you I'm you know we're trying we're all trying to get places we're all trying to go places and I'm not doing this to make your life harder i'm doing this to make my life easier i'm doing this hopefully to make other people's lives easier i'm doing this to take one more car off the road and create less traffic i would really encourage people if you live in within a five mile um within five miles of where you work 
consider how you can use public transportation or independent transportation free from a car to enable that. You know, a, a lot of people don't, but if you can, you can take a car off the road. You, you can take away one car out of traffic. That's the thing. It's like, it's not that you're in traffic. It's that you are the traffic. We're all contributing to this. And so not only would you be taking away um, or creating more space along the road, but you would also obviously be taking away the environmental contaminants that come along with that. Right. And what you were saying about, um, you know, making space on the road and making room for others and getting curious about the kind of discomfort that can come up, that's definitely so applicable to all kinds of other social justice issues besides just cycling. So that's really huge. I think that, you know, you can take that same uh, advice about get curious with that frustration, those feelings that come up of like you think that there's some kind of injustice happening against you being the vehicle driver in that scenario, you know, if um, but, you know, apply that to so many other scenarios. You see someone else who you feel might be encroaching in a, a space or an area where you feel like you've always had the power and then suddenly you're having to make room for someone else and yeah, having to come share up, get, that. Yeah. And get curious with that. Why are those feelings coming up so strongly for you and uh, explore that because that's going to be the first step to then um, being able to resolve or dissolve it. And, um, and yeah, just be able to, to be able, uh, be able to be more inclusive. Exactly. Um, and so then my final question was uh, for those vehicle drivers who Perhaps they aren't able to make a full-time conversion to commuting by cycling, but they do want to be cyclist-friendly, and they want to be able to be advocates to cyclists on the road. Um, what, are they, what kind of things can they do to be advocates and allies to cyclists? That's a great question. Um, I, obviously, I don't expect everybody to do what I do. Um, I, I realize that, like... I am maybe a little bit more of a extreme case because I don't own a car. Um, and while I do, you know, use different transportation alternatives, I mean, my primary way of getting around is by bicycle. Obviously, that's not always conducive to everybody just based on lifestyle factors, but also where you live. Um, you know, if you live in a more uh, suburban and or rural community, um, it's not going to be as conducive to riding a bike. But there are lots of ways that you can be supportive of bike, not just bikes, but active transportation in general. And the first thing I would suggest doing is um, use your car less. <laughs> um, you know, I would just say get into the habit of cycling recreationally or getting into the habit of cycling around your neighborhood. Maybe riding to work is not feasible. Maybe you have to have a car in order to do that. That's totally fine. Obviously, there's lots of options out there. You know, carpools, I would always say look into the if you're able to conserve uh, energy that way or use public transportation. That's Yes, always look into those options. Um, but if you just want to 
start cycling. Think about where in your neighborhood uh, do you regularly go to uh, short trips um, that are within easy distance from your home or even workplace? How, um, what are those places? Maybe the library, maybe the grocery store, maybe your church. Um, what does your area and neighborhood look like where you can take advantage of that? Maybe just taking advantage of cycling recreationally, um, especially if you have young kids. How can you cycle as a family and just start a, a habit of creating an active and healthy lifestyle? Um, I'm going to also say if you're driving, please, please keep up to date on laws and legislation that have to do with transportation. Every city is different. Every state is different. I mean, a lot of bike laws are pretty similar, but obviously they're going to be, they're different. They're going to be differences state to state depending on where you live. And I, I think it would just, to be, have that added extra layer of awareness of what laws about transportation are coming up um, and get familiar also with the municipal laws. Um, I would say like if you uh, live in an area, um, the, a, a city, a major city, get to know um, what bike share programs might be um, options for you. There's a lot more of these popping up all over the country every single day. Here in Austin, we've got some dockless bikes that you, you can find. I think you just download an app. And so if maybe you um, live out away and don't really um, bike, you can't really, but you're coming into the city, maybe take the bus into the city and rent a bike for the day and use that as a way to get around and explore the world around you. You're going to find it to be so much more rewarding. Um, yeah, Houston has um, a thing called B-Cycle. Yeah. Which is like a bike rental program. Um, and there are also places. B-Cycle uh, is all over the country. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And, and a, a lot of Houston different bike cities. bar. Sorry. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff. Um, so, I mean, explore what those options are uh, when they're available to you. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say get into a habit like of just understanding cyclist behavior. Take a look at the roads that you're on your daily commute. Check out if there is a bike lane in that road. And just, you know, to have that increased awareness, you know, and the thing about it is you don't need to make this, this massively wide berth. I, I have some cars that pass me and they just, they're, they're, they like give six feet of clearance and it's like, thank you. That's not really necessary. I just mm -hmm. need, you just want to have three feet. You just yeah. need to have three feet of clearance between your car and the cyclist. A good if, meter. A good, yeah. If you can just have that in mind, um, maybe, hey, if that means like taking a measuring tape, you mm -hmm. know, to your car and just sort of like marking out a distance, you know, and just to get, kind of give that um, 
that amount of room. That way, you know that. Obviously, if you want to give wider birth, great. Give wider birth. I don't care, man. But just give at least three feet. Um, Just have that in mind when you're on the road with us. Please don't honk at us. Um, I know you're behind me. Like, Mm -hmm. I know there are cars around me. Yeah. And, like, I get it. You're there. I'm going to be going as fast as I can. You don't need to honk. A, to let me know you're there, or B, to let me know that you're pissed off with me. Like, right. that's not going to do anything but make us both mad. Mm-hmm. It, it really isn't. Um, I will also say, <laughs> don't ask stupid questions. Um, this is something that has come up for me recently. Obviously, I'm 10 years deep into this. I've been doing this a long time. I have my, my, my stump speech, and I talk about all the things that you need to know. So when well-intentioned people come up to me and ask really stupid questions like, do you have lights? Do you have a helmet? Right. I, I'm sorry. Maybe 10 years ago, I could have dealt with that more graciously and a little more earnestly and been like, yes, I do all the right things. At this point, I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. I ride with lights and I ride with a helmet. Like, don't, please don't ask me stupid questions. It's just really condescending. It's, um, unfortunately, there is just this attitude that I, I, I occasionally encounter and it's just this condescending oh, you know, I need to ask because, you know, and it comes off as though we must not have good judgment or something. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I but this recently actually happened, and that's why I'm bringing it up. Somebody who claimed to be very well-intentioned, like, just checking, just making sure. And I, I got actually really mad after the incident because I was like, I've been doing, how long do I need to do this? How long do I need to, this is my lifestyle. I think of all of these things and I, I, I have a I have all these precautions I take into place and I still get stupid questions like this. And yeah, I'm just venting a little bit, but it can be really frustrating. Yeah. You know, when, and, and of course nobody's coming up to drivers and asking Except Asking the about their business. Except uh, the police. Yeah. And and I would also just say along those same lines, please understand that there are, uh, just like there are good drivers and there are bad drivers, there are good cyclists and there are bad cyclists. Right. Of course. Um, please think when, please think of that before you call somebody crazy, crazy cowboy cyclists reckless death wish throw around any of those words yeah because the fact of the matter is there are bad drivers and those drivers cause accidents and kill people and we're all each taking our own lives into we're all taking responsibility for each other when we're out there and responsibility for our own lives um so i think just I, I really want to deter against, you know, unfair language that 
unfair rhetoric that we come up against simply for being out there or simply for asking to share the road equally with cars you know with greater power comes great responsibility yeah and that's all we're really asking is to actually recognize the full extent of that responsibility what what happens yeah it's really you're really confronted with that when you have to take somebody else's life into account that's what we agree to when we get on the road and and drive a car is you have to take into consideration that we're all kind of trusting each other in this whole process ooh yeah that's such a great place to end that as much as as much as we like to we we may like to um consign ourselves and uh, resign ourselves to this idea of i am responsible for me and myself alone which is true it's totally true but we i i love i love the way you said that we are as well responsible for the lives of those around us in a way in in some you know we it's cuz we can't pretend as as though the way we go through the world and the choices we make we can't pretend as though those actions don't uh affect the lives of others and so yeah this is just that's just a really really great example that's so integral to your everyday life but that really um is a great way to bring up the question and bring up the idea of like hey we kind of are our brother's keeper or our sister's keeper you know like and your brother and your sister is your fellow human you know your neighbor as uh as many you know religions religious scriptures might phrase it exactly it's like at the end of the day it's human life mm. it is it is human life and it's either there in front of you exposed showing you who it is or it's hidden and i this is one of the things why i talk about why are um, buying into the security, the idea of security is such a lie? Because if you think about it, none of us is immune to this, to this life. None of us is immune to the danger that is present. More, this mortal coil, as they say. Uh, whether you are getting Shakespearean. Whether you're in a car or not. You know, I, I, I know that we think that if we buy the right car, buy the right house, do the right things, stay mm. away from the wrong people, we want to believe that we're going to be safe. But I think we need to understand that we've bought, we've exchanged the truth for a lie in a way. The truth is is that we're all exposed and we're all seen for who we are and we're all vulnerable and that no amount of money is going to save you from it no amount of of money is going to buy the right thing that is going to keep you perfectly safe 100% of the time right Death comes for us all in the end. <laughs> it's, it's, oh gosh, it feels like such a sour note to end on. 
Yeah, and there we have it, folks. Uh, we turned out fine. We turned out fine. <laughs> Death comes for all of us. Yeah. Uh, but we turned out fine. Um, no, uh, not to not to try to end on, on no, the, I don't want to end downward. On. No, but no, that ending on that um, realization of just like the gravity that we we do we have responsibility to to look out for one another and to try to keep as much as we can. We should try to keep each other alive. Let's hold each other up <laughs> instead of trying to yeah. kill each other. Let's not kill let's each not. other. Let's not. How about that? Let's, let's just, just not... not do that. Yeah, let's just focus on trying to not kill those around us in general. In general, yeah. ever. We turned uh, out fine. We turned out fine. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm... I'm out there every day. I want people to see that cycling is a real lifestyle, is doable, and is accessible, and is something that everybody can do. I'm not special because I do this. I'm just like everybody else. And if I can do this, other people can too. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really what I want people to see is that, like, hey... If, 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 you know, this girl can get on her bike and ride to work, maybe I can get on my bike and ride to the store. Or maybe I can, you know, give up, you know, try something new. So yeah, it's just to show everybody, hey, we're out there. We're trying to live our lives. And we don't want to, I don't want to actually, I don't want to create animosity. It's really the opposite. I want people to see this and no like it's real it's good and it's good for you and it's good for the people around you and it's good for the world around us yeah. i'm a much happier person because i do this i'm a much stronger um and much more satisfied person because i do this oh yeah yeah and you're making a difference thank you <laughs> but no that's 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 so great it's a very great place to end on um you know we should all be looking for ways that we can help to make an impact, make a difference, not only in our own like physical health, but on the planet, how we can just, uh, yeah, what kind of change we can make small change that, that can affect your daily life to help take better care of ourselves our, and, and personally. others around us. Yeah. And, see, and those around see us and the planet. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that, Naomi. I'm so glad. Uh, well, do we want to do our uh, We Turned Out Fine moment of the sure, week? Sure. Let's. Okay. We'll have to think of one. Oh, I got a root canal this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was I was trying to remember when that was supposed to happen and whether that had already happened or not. And yeah. um, how did it go? It went fine. Actually, it went way easier than I was expecting. Um, this was my very first root canal. And um, <laughs> hopefully my very last root canal. Um, I think that's such a perfect we turned out fine moment, especially if for like the first one i mean you know of all the of all the rites of passage into <laughs> adulthood this is certainly one i could have done without you hey, know there's two of us now though because it was a rite of passage for me because like i told you i got mine when i was still 17 yeah <laughs> so i technically wasn't an adult yet yeah <laughs> oh man it's it was crazy i mean it honestly I, my my jaw is a little bit sore right where it, it happened yeah. just i can sort of kind of feel just some of the area around it, but honestly, they numbed me up really pretty good, and then went got in there and did all the things. And I mean, and listen, it was not pleasant. I mm -hmm. don't want to do that again ever. But hey, 
it's done. I'm I'm gonna ha- you know get this you know the follow up and the crown obviously put on, but you know that's really the thing is like um. <laughs> You know, sometimes it's like, well, you got to take care of what you got to take care of. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the end, it's like, all right, turned out fine. There you go. It turned out fine. Turned out fine. Yes. That's a really great. This is our first time. We're going to try to do this every at the end of every episode. But this is our first time really doing it. Having really our, you know, it, yeah. a, a we turned out fine moment at the end of every episode for every week. Um, mine this week, it was actually pretty good. I didn't. um because there were there were definitely weeks before where I would have had some some killer we turned out fine moments but this week was relatively um calm and and peaceful there were um towards the middle of the week work got really busy and there were definitely some projects for work that were going to be kind of like last minute and like needing to be really really rushed and then I wasn't sure exactly when I was going to get the work um, and so I had to be like super flexible with my schedule and be open to either like staying late or coming in early just to be able to support the stuff. And so whenever that happens, it always does make me a little bit stressful because it's like, if I've got plans and stuff, I might have to cancel them or work around them. But, um, actually it was, it all turned out really fine. And so I don't even think this, I don't even think it really counts cause it wasn't really that much of a struggle, but yeah, it could have been, it could have been, um, yeah. something rather stressful. So I'm glad that the work ended up, um, not really, um, interfering with my schedule too much. Yeah. And it's it, like, it could have thrown you off. Right. For game. sure. For sure. For sure. And it could have, it could have been a lot more stressful and a lot more frustrating, um, than it was. So yeah, it turned out fine. Sometimes you just need to like celebrate like, Hey. I did this. Mm-hmm. Or celebrate, like, looking back at your week and being like, hey, this week was actually pretty smooth and, and you know, overall really positive compared to, like, weeks before where it's just been a complete roller coaster or, you know, the entire week has kind of had a negative kind of damper on it. So, yeah, it's, it's really great to take, take stock of those kind of small victories. Like, oh, you know, there wasn't a single day this week that I felt was a really, really bad day or hard day. And that's, like... Those are really great accomplishments to take note of. Yeah. Um, so like you were going to say, you can um, connect with us on social media. Yes, we are uh, on Instagram at WTOF Podcast. We're on Twitter at We Turned Out Fine. You can go to our website, WeTurnedOutFine.com. And we're also on, we have a Facebook page at We Turned Out Fine. And I think that's all the, I think that's, the social. I think we're covered social. Yeah, that's all the social media. But as far as streaming platforms, you can find us on pretty much uh, most of the major ones: SoundCloud, Streamer. I mean, not Streamer. That's not a thing. Stitcher. Well, Stitcher. Yeah. Check and out also, the, I mean, the website because all the links are going to be there for your. And if you're listening to this, then you've found a way to listen to it already. But this can be good to let your friends know. You know, um, tell some friends about us if you're ha- if you're enjoying listening to our podcast. Like Share and subscribe. Yeah, and you can let them know that we can be streamed through various different streaming platforms. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we would really love, and please keep your po- comments positive, I'm going to say, but we would really love to know what your thoughts are from this episode. If you're a cyclist, if you have stories similar to mine, or if you have questions about cycling, um, you can also visit my website, thecyclinggospel.com, to read more about my story, 
and read more res- uh, articles that I have written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely um, check out Naomi's resource for uh, cycling advocacy. And um, oh, also, please, if you're enjoying this podcast, please um, do us a favor and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts as well. Um, and I think that is that's pretty much everything we want to let you guys know for this episode. So thank you again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye bye.